So with that, uh, assuming all hearts are free, we'll turn our attention to uh, to the Word of the Lord. And I want to continue in Matthew chapter uh, 25. We, we were in Matthew 24 last week. And I want to go to Matthew 25 this week. Uh, that's where I feel led for us to, to go to. And uh, we're going to look at the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 25. And this is the, uh, uh, the 10 virgins. Starting with verse 1, Matthew chapter 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. <clears throat> and five of them were wise, and five of were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves." And while they went to buy, the bridegroom, the bridegroom came, and they were, and they that were ready went in with him unto the mar- to, with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And that's where I want to stop this morning, and I'd like to uh, to use as a title when the open door shuts. Now, um, this is the parable of the ten virgins, as it uh, as we already read. And now there's some discrepancy of interpretation as to whom the, the ten virgins uh, are representative of. Uh, I believe they're representative of uh, the children of God. I believe they're representative of, 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 uh, of those that are, uh, that are Christians. Uh, because by the virtue of them being virgins, the, the purity that they have uh, that should be innate in them is, is exemplified in the terminology that is given there of, of, of virgins. Uh, it says five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. And so uh, we, uh, we look at some of these, uh, these, these things, and, and we know that that certainly can, can be the, the example. So, but we have two different competing factions here, don't we, of, amongst these ten. Um, five of them are considered wise by the, uh, by the order, by Jesus, and five are considered foolish. And so what is it about these five that makes them wise, and what is it about the five that makes them foolish? And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to tie this in with this door that is open. Uh, there's a door that is open during this entire thing. Uh, and so uh, that door is going to be closed at, uh, at the end, and so that's, uh, we're going to get to that as well. What makes the five wise? Well, the scriptures tell us as we look at them uh, that, uh, that the foolish ones are the ones that it addresses first. And they that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. Now, obviously, a lamp's not going to, a, a natural lamp. Now, I, I, growing up, Grandma still had some of those old oil lamps and, uh, and, and she'd still burn them from time to time, especially when the power would go out. And uh, and so, 
Uh, Mom didn't do it. We we always went flashlights, but Grandma still had. She still used the old oil lamps, and so she'd always work on keep making sure the wick was trimmed, so, so that when uh, whenever the time came that she needed to use it, uh, that and it lit, that it shone brightly, and it didn't give off a lot of smoke. And so, and so that's uh, that was what uh, that was the methodology. And so they've got a lamp, and uh, and so the five foolish ones, they've got their lamp, but they didn't take any, they don't have any oil for it. They've got they've got some oil they've got initially, but they don't have enough for the road, do they? They may have how they got this this oil initially. They may have just gotten it by just being around uh, people who had oil, uh, but they don't have enough to sustain them. Uh, the five wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, this could be drawn to the temple. We could look at the temple and we could say this oil that's in these lamps would be like the oil that would be in the almonds uh, shape uh, vessels there in the uh, in the temple or the tabernacle uh, there that, that would fuel the candle, uh, the candelabra there in the in the temple or the tabernacle, which would give light. Right. The candlestick or the uh, or the lamp stand that would give light there in the tabernacle. Uh, and so what that the what's really pointed out here is is the five wise and the five foolish they've both got a lamp that lamp is representative of something and then that oil is representative of something and whatever that oil represents that's really what makes the five be wise in the sight of God and that's what causes the other five to look foolish in the sight of God the question is what's the oil (laughs) We know what the lamp is. The lamp represents a profession, doesn't it? It represents a profession of faith in Christ. They know the Lord. Uh, they are the Lord's child. Uh, and uh, and so the, de- the delineating factor here is the oil. Because five of them got, the oil, uh, got oil in reserve and five don't. The bridegroom tarried. You know, that bridegroom, he may tarry as long as he may see fit. As a matter of fact, the bridegroom's going to tarry until the father says, go. <laughs> the bridegroom, Christ is going to tarry until the father says, go. And Jesus said, no man knoweth except the father, no, not the angels in heaven. When that day will come, when the tearing of the bridegroom will end and God will send forth the bridegroom to receive his bride, which is the church, unto, uh, unto himself. Uh, and, uh, and so we, we look here at this, uh, that this, uh, tarrying, this time, this period of, of waiting. And, uh, and, and one of the things we notice in that verse of scripture, uh, even though it doesn't say it specifically, now in newer translations today, they'll even, they'll, they will explicitly point out that the son doesn't know in that verse. And so I had somebody who contacted me here recently and they said, don't you know that in the King James it's wrong because it looks at that verse of scripture where Jesus says that nobody knows when the, when his second coming is going to be. No, not 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 the angels in heaven know, uh, but my father only knows. And they said, uh, they said, you know, it never says in the King James Version that Jesus, uh, that, Je- that Jesus himself doesn't know. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, who's talking? (laughs) 
And they said, Jesus? I said, so if I say that only my father knows something, doesn't that imply I don't know? (laughs) And they said, yeah. I said, so he is there. He just doesn't need to make it explicit. But the bridegroom tarried, and while he tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now we remember uh, Jesus when he went out into the Mount of Olives after the Lord's Supper, uh, that he went forth to pray, uh, and and as he went forth to pray, the the apostles that were with him, uh, they fell asleep, didn't they? They uh, We had talked about a couple weeks ago about Peter, how Peter said, I'll go with you all the way unto death. But then when they went out into the Mount of Olives after eating a meal uh, and, and having the instruction uh, in the institution of the Lord's Supper uh, that he couldn't even wait an hour without falling asleep. But here we have these ten, these five foolish and these five wise, and they're all asleep. They're all slumbering and they're all sleeping. And then a Christ made at midnight. Now we're going to get to the door part. We're just basically paraphrasing and putting some of this in, trying to put some of this into context. And, and then at midnight, a cry was made. And this cry woke them up from their slumber. And, and the cry was this, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things. We have our, uh, in our culture, in our society, everything revolves around the bride, doesn't it? When you go to a wedding, the bride is the star of the show, isn't it? The, the, bro, the, the groom is just kind of standing up there as kind of a side act, isn't he? <laughs> In our culture, the doors fly open and the, the piano or the organ goes into work uh, to announce the coming of the bride. You know, that's completely opposite from the way that Scripture presents the end. <laughs> The door's gonna, the door's open, and when the, when the bridegroom enters, that's when the festivities begin, isn't it? We have sort of a matriarchal society now, don't we? You may or may not agree with me on that, but I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's very debatable. <laughs> we, we have a matriarchal society. We, we've been living in a matriarchal society for a long time, uh, but everybody's fighting the patriarchy. But nevertheless, here we go. And, uh, and so we see the bridegroom. Uh, it says, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. So all the virgins arose. All the virgins arose, and they all trimmed their lamps. They all did the work, didn't they? They all did the work of trimming their lamps, so, so they're all focused on that. But the difference is, is those that uh, were tarrying, that had oil in their lamp, right? And there's a song that we used to listen to in the car all the time. Uh, the VeggieTales sung it, Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. <laughs> I think we have it in the songbooks, I'm sure we do. Occasionally I would hear them sing it at Fairview Memorial over there, and every time they would, I would hear it in the VeggieTales verse, voices. Because <laughs> that's the only version that I know. <laughs> so I think it's Larry from the Veggie Tales who sung it. But they had oil in their lamps, and so those the, the the five foolish look at the five wise and they say, Hey, give us some oil. Give us of your oil, for ours has gone out. And now the five wise the five wise versions look at the five foolish versions and they say, yeah, no. 
I'm not going to do that. And, and, and honestly, if we look at this verse, these sections of Scripture, it, by the context with which we think of things today, that the five wise virgins would be looked at as very selfish, wouldn't share their oil. They would be looked at as people who probably self-absorb. They really looked at people who probably are, are somebody who, who don't realize uh, that, uh, uh, well, they're just privileged enough to have the oil. No, they had the foresight, the, the forethought to have the oil, didn't they? And so we look here, and, and they say, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. Uh, and they're like, look. We didn't bring enough for you. We don't have enough for you. Uh, we only have enough for ourselves. you got to go and buy your own oil. But the problem is this, is that the gift of God cannot be bought with money, can it? It can't be bought with money. You see, that oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and now it can either be representative of the presence of the Holy Spirit, which I believe is continual with us after we get saved, but it, it certainly specifically points to the regenerating act of grace which is performed by the Holy Spirit in the heart of a believer. And so we see here, what is it that makes the foolish and what is it that makes the wise? It, it is nothing more that the wise know the Lord and they know him because they have been, been they have experienced the new birth. They've been born again. The, the Spirit of God doth dwell within them. Uh, and that's representative of the light uh, that shines out, right? Uh, what is it that we say? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it's by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you can't trim your lamp enough that'll save you. <laughs> You can trim that lamp all day long if there's no oil to fuel it. The only thing that's going to happen is that wick's going to burn out pretty quick. It'll burn up. And there won't be nothing left. What happened here? These five wise virgins, they took the time to be... To acknowledge their responsibility that they had toward the Lord, don't they? You got a personal responsibility for your life. I don't know what the circumstances of your life may be or what they are going to be, but I'll tell you this that God's not worried about what the outward circumstances are. God's worried about the inward circumstances, isn't He? Uh, if the inward circumstances are correct, the outward circumstances don't really matter. Uh, but here, because the inward circumstances are incorrect with the five foolish, they focus on all the outward stuff uh, and, uh, and, have, and focusing on all the outward stuff. They go out and they say, oh, well, I'm going to go try to buy some oil. Uh, and, uh, and they're not going to be successful. <laughs> there, was a, there was a man named uh, Simon. And we touched on him a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and he saw the wise men, or he saw the apostles lay hands on those that believed in Samaria at the, pre at the preaching of Philip. And when they laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit was imparted unto them. And he went to Peter and he said, how much will it cost me to be able to do that? And that's where Peter said, thy money perish with thee for the gifts of God are not, not for, they're not for purchase, right? You can't buy them with money. You can't buy your way into heaven. And you can't work your way into heaven. Uh, but you're only going to get into heaven by one way, and that's, by, and that's 
through Jesus. And so we see here that they're uh, in a period where this door is open and then an announcement is made and the bridegroom is coming and they get up and they get ready to go out and meet the bridegroom. But five, the five foolish have to go out first and try to find some oil. Uh, and, uh, and so we're going to pause there. And, and we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 7. <laughs> We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 7 and we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. It says in the 600, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the seventh, in the second month, in the seventh day of the month, in the same day, the fountains of the deep, of the great deep broken, were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. In the self same day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah or the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing uh, that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, and every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The day Noah entered the ark, Noah didn't close the door, did he? God closed the door. With the ten virgins, we see that the doors open, don't we? And then the, the bridegroom, the announcement of the bridegroom is coming. And, and so then we see them. Now, now listen to this here. Jesus addresses himself to the church of Philadelphia in this manner. In, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, he says, And unto the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, and he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he's he's got he's got the he's got the keys of the kingdom, doesn't he? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is the key to the kingdom. Let me put it that way. He that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. And so we see here a period of time where Moses is preaching 120 years and the door of the ark stands open to anybody who will heed the warning of Noah. Noah, uh, the Bible tells us, was a preacher of righteousness. God gave him about 120 years to preach that righteousness, to preach, uh, to preach the, the, the fleeing away from the wrath of God, uh, and, and instead, uh, except, instead, uh, seeking the Lord for salvation, uh, and, and repenting of your sins and being born again, uh, and, and Noah preached that righteousness for 120 years. No, no takers. Had no takers. We don't know how long, we don't know how long that the five wise and five foolish virgins slept and slumbered. It's not said, it's not in there. We don't know, do we? Even as today, we don't know what day the Lord is going to return. But we know this, don't we? We know he will. (laughs) 
We know he will return. It's not a matter of if he will return. It's a matter of when he will return. And we better be looking for that return. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen a thousand years from today. God is alone is going to be the determiner of how long that tarrying is going to last, isn't he? Noah was working like crazy while, he, while preaching the gospel in the construction of the ark. Whether overseeing it or doing the work himself, Noah for 120 years never stopped working, did he? Until the day that he entered into the ark. He was done working, wasn't he? His work was done. These five virgins are sleeping. You see the difference here. They're sleeping and then the announcement of the bridegroom coming. Uh, and so uh, the five wise, uh, they get up and the five foolish, they get up. The five foolish know they don't have enough oil. The five wise say, we can't share with you because guess what? You can't have any of my salvation just like I can't have any of yours. you got to go and get it from the Lord yourself. <laughs> I can't share it with you. Even if I wanted to, I can't. <laughs> I can be like, I can be like, and, and all of us can be like the, the, uh, uh, the Good Samaritan. And we can remedy whatever those natural ailments are. We can do all of those things. But those inward ailment, ailments, we can't remedy those. <laughs> we can't do those things. You can follow among thieves. And you can find yourself in a great way, in a, in a great trouble. And we could take care of, the, of those outward things, but the inward things, only God takes care of those. So we see here that, uh, that when, they, when, they, when, when they went to buy, that's when they missed out on their opportunity, didn't they? And so that's when they missed out on the on the on the ability to be uh, saved, to miss out on the uh, the wrath of God here. Uh, and uh, and so that's the way it works, isn't it? When God's people are safe, that's when that's when destruction follows. That doesn't it? He always removes those that are his before the destruction comes. We look back at Noah, the day that Noah and his family and all the animals that God had sent when they had entered the ark and God had closed the door, when they were safe in the ark of safety, destruction came to everybody else, didn't they? You know what? I guarantee it, even though it's not recorded, and I'm going to speculate here and I acknowledge it's speculation, I will promise you anybody in the vicinity of that ark, the day that the rain started falling, Falling, I guarantee you at some point they ran to that door and they started banging on that door and begging Noah to open the door so that they could get in the ark but Noah didn't have the power to open that door did he because God is the one who opens the door that no man can shut and shuts the door that no man can open and when the, the day the day that Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah uh, and he left that little city the day that he left Left, it doomed them, didn't it? God said, I won't destroy it if there's one righteous person there. And God said, God sent angels, and they said, Lot, you better get out of here. And you better flee to the mountains. And Lot said, That's too far. I can't go there. Just let me go to this little city. It's just a tiny little place. And let me go, let me flee there instead. And they said, That's fine. But the day he left Sodom and Gomorrah, the day that God's child was safe, then punishment came. And then a punishment came, didn't it? 
We can go back even further. We can go back to Jacob. We can go back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the fact that they dwelt in the land of Canaan among the people of Canaan for hundreds of years. And they had an opportunity there while in the presence of uh, the people of God uh, to, to be saved. Uh, but they had refused and they had clung to their, idea, uh, to their idol religions. Uh, and the day that Jacob and, and all of his family, the day he uprooted them... Uh, upon learning that Joseph was prime minister, for lack of a better title, right? Uh, that Joseph was prime minister in Egypt, uh, that uh, he, he rounded everybody up, and, and they departed Canaan, and they went down into Egypt, and they dwelt in the land of Goshen. Uh, in the day that they left Canaan, it closed the door for the people that inhabited Canaan, didn't it? They had hundreds of years where they could hear and see God's people, and they never repented. And then the door closed, didn't it? The sound of the bridegroom is made. These five wise virgins, these five foolish virgins, they both arise. They both start to prepare themselves for the wedding. And uh, and the five wise, um, they, they tell the five foolish to go and find their own oil. And so the five foolish set out to find their own oil. And while they were gone, the Lord came, didn't he? And the five wise were brought in the door. And the five foolish come back. And just as with, just the same as with Noah, the same as with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Lot. The same in all of those instances. In just the exact same manner. When they came and they found the door shut. They found a door shut that no man could open. Because God closed the door. God closed the door, and they find the door shut. And so in this, you better understand and you better realize that there's only one door that you can enter into the sheepfold in. I'm going to touch on a couple more verses here. We're going to close. John chapter 17, John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God does not find any joy in, the, in, in, in distributing punishment. <laughs> Matter of fact, he says, the Bible tells us this very plainly, that God does not rejoice at the death of the wicked. He finds no joy in it. He finds nothing to revel in about it. It's an entirely preventable thing, but nevertheless, because you have not believed in the name of the, Son, the only begotten Son of God, that Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, you haven't been born again, you haven't had the works of grace worked shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, then you don't know God. It doesn't matter how much you profess to know Him. What matters is that you know Him. You don't know of Him, you know Him. There's a difference, isn't there? You can know a lot about God and not know God. 
John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way you're getting to heaven. If a man climbs up some other way, he'll be accounted as a thief and a robber, and he will be dealt with in such fashion. John chapter 10, uh, verses 7 and 9. Jesus says unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. He can't make it any plainer, can he? Uh, He can't make it any plainer. And so this morning, if you're here and you don't know the Lord uh, as uh, Savior, uh, a lot of people will say, uh, is the Lord knocking on the door of your heart? Well, I want to tell you this. He's the door. (laughs) He's the door. And you better be knocking on the door that is Jesus Christ. And you better be knocking on it with some urgency. And you better be understanding what happens if you're left out on the other side of that door. And that should fuel you to bang on that door with earnestness and, and, uh, and with, uh, uh, with a real uh, uh, vigor uh, and, a, and a remorse there for the things that have caused you to be on the outside of this door. We've all been on the outside of that door. And we didn't do anything that made him open the door except come to him like a prodigal does <laughs> and say, Lord, I'm not worthy of it. But... I need forgiveness and mercy and earnestly and honestly ask him and he'll save you. And so we look here, this door that's shut and these virgins, they come afterward. And they say, Lord, Lord, is that not familiar? Jesus said, there'll be many in that day that cry out, Lord, Lord, have we not in thy name cast out devils and done many marvelous works and know what he's going to say to them. He's going to say, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. I know you not. You need to knock on the door. <laughs> you need to bang on the door. <laughs> you need to make sure that the, that the, uh, the hinges and the doorknob on the door rattle <laughs> with the earnestness with which you seek to enter into the door. Uh, we're one to enter into the sheepfold. Jesus said in verse 9 of John chapter 10, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And go in and out and find pasture. And, and I'm going to close with this. I'll close with the, the 96th Psalm. The 96th Psalm. For all the gods of the nations are idols, The Lord, uh, but the Lord made the heavens, right? He's, uh, he's, he's made all of creation. Honor and majesty are before him strength and beauty are in his sanctuary give unto the lord give unto the lord O ye kindreds of the people give unto the lord glory and strength give unto the lord the glory due unto his name folks if we want to worship god this morning you know what we've got to do it's really simple we just got to give god his glory don't we you know what? You, you know why the services, and we look back at the services and we say, oh, the services used to be so much better. Uh, that's because they weren't afraid to stand up and give God the glory. They weren't afraid to stand up and look foolish in the sight of men in order to give God praise. Glory due unto His name. Bring an offering. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. 
the world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. And I'll say this, judgment begins at the house of God and God is going to be the judge. Jesus is coming back to judge this world in righteousness. Uh, and if you're not in that door, if you haven't made it in that ark, right? If you haven't gone to that little city like Lot did, if you haven't made your way out of Canaan down into Egypt uh, as uh, Jacob and, and the rest did, if you're not there, uh, you're going to be accounted with those who are on the outside where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness. Say among the heathen, say, say among the heathen, say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Aren't you glad to be saved today? Aren't you glad this morning to be able to say with confidence and knowledge, I know my Savior. We forget that, don't we? You know, there's a reason that we should be rejoiceful people. It's because we know our Redeemer. And we know that He lives forevermore. And he doesn't just live forevermore. He lives at the right hand of God and he's set down and he makes intercession for us when we fall. Brother Carter, as we talked about this morning. I'm thankful this morning for an intercessory high priest that entered into heaven one time by his blood and by his offering and not by the blood of bulls and goats which could never take away sin. Let the sea roar. It's just noise. But do you know what? The roar of the sea gives God praise, doesn't it? Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful. We don't think about that. But let the field be joyful and let it bring forth its fruit in due season. And I added that. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein, even the laborer of the field, let them be joyful. Uh, everything that you do, do it, to, do it as unto the Lord, cheerfully, heartily. And then shall all the trees of the woods rejoice as they reach out their branches to God and they bear their fruit. Before the Lord they rejoice. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Amen. I'm telling you right now, we've got a great opportunity that's before us. We've got a great message to, to, to give to the people of the world. Uh, and that is that there is a door open that one day this world's going to be judged in righteousness and being found lacking. It's going to be uh, dealt with in such fashion. Uh, and it's going to rain again, but it's not going to rain water that's going to be broken up from, the, from underneath and fall down from above. It's going to rain fire. Uh, and as Peter said, the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And so here we see that there's a way to get rid of all of that and to avoid all that. And that's you've got to enter in the door, don't you? Because when the door closes, when the door shuts, no man can open it. 
It doesn't matter how much you bang on it and say, Lord, Lord. When it shuts, it's shut. The opportunities passed by. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, we would encourage you to seek Him. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.